2 Timothy chapter number 3 this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to preach a message to you that we find in verse number 14, our text. The first two words of verse number 14, the Bible says, but continue. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And we're going to be in several passages here of Scripture in the book of 2 Timothy here today. But Paul is writing this at the end of his life. All the things that we know about the Apostle Paul and his, his missionary journeys, Paul now is coming to the end of his life. He's in, he's in Rome, and in a very short while, they're going to take Paul, and they're going to take him to a courtyard, and Paul's going to be beheaded for his faith. Paul is penning this epistle to Timothy. Timothy is one of Paul's sons in the faith. It was not his biological son, but it's one that Paul has mentored and Paul has spent time with. And he's writing now the second epistle to this young Timothy. It's called one of the pastoral epistles, we call it here in the Bible. The Apostle Paul is giving this young man, this young pastor, he's giving him instructions and he's saying this, pretty much you could sum up uh, the epistles here that he's writing to Timothy. Living the Christian life or living for Christ isn't easy. Nowhere do you find Paul trying to sugarcoat living the Christian life for Timothy. He's not trying to say, Timothy, the things that have happened to me, don't you worry. I think it's going to get better for you. He doesn't say, Timothy, the heartache that I've gone through, don't worry, it won't happen to you. In, in, in reality, what he's saying is, Timothy, what has happened to me is going to get worse for you. He says this in the very beginning of this, this chapter. He says, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. That doesn't look too encouraging, does it? What he's saying is this, in the last days, Timothy, it's going to get worse. Paul is getting ready to go off the scene, and Timothy is going to take the leadership in churches, and, and he's trying to get Timothy to realize this. As things get worse in our lives, we must continue. He says, but continue. There's trials. There's burdens. There's defeats. But Paul says in verse number 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and has been assured of. I like that word assured. Mark that and just circle that in your Bible because what he's saying is the things you know that are true, stick with it. The things that you know, because Satan is going to at times, he's going to come in and tempt you and he's going to come in and, and shake you just like he tried with Peter to sift you like wheat. Satan's going to try to get you to think that everything that you have been taught, everything that we believe, these perilous times are going to come and it might just shake you to your core. But he says, be assured. Continue in the things that you know all right. And I want to look at this morning, this verse, use this verse as our text verse this morning, but continue. Continue thou in the things which thou hast heard. I want you to write this down, if you would please, this morning. Continue. Each one of us ought to continue in our godly heritage. Each one of us need to continue in our godly heritage. It's one of the things that I enjoy about this generation of Christianity is knowing this, 
there's those that have gone before us. There's those like the Apostle Paul and those in the New Testament that we read of and those of even great, great uh, uh, ministers of yesteryear that have gone on. They've, they've, set that, they've set that pace for us. They've laid that foundation for us. I thank God for my godly heritage. There's many of men in my life that I thank God for. Probably the majority of these men that I thank God for, no one in this room would ever know. I found just recently uh, uh, a, a uh, picture of, of five or six preachers, and, and one of them was uh, not even uh, a very well-known man, and, and this is the man that led D.L. Moody to the Lord, and D.L. Moody, a great evangelist, and he led Chapman to the Lord, and, and Chapman was a great evangelist, and it went to Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday was saved through a crusade of Chapman's. It just kind of went down uh, a few preachers, and at the end, it was Billy Graham that got saved, all from someone that, that all the way back, no one ever knew who he was. He was just a faithful witness. You never know, you never know that person that you lead to Christ. You never know what God's going to do with that life. Here we find, I know in my life, and I'm sure as well with you, there's men that, uh, uh, that I thank God for, men like a Rusty Chatfield. He's still pastoring today after 30-some years of pastoring. Men like a Dennis Higgins and Neil, uh, men like a Neil Hendricksman. Uh, Neil Hendricksman came into my life at a time where I, uh, I was really wrestling with the Lord. Ever since I was a kid, if you looked into the yearbooks of my schools, you would find this, that I wanted to be a police officer. Every year they'd ask you, what do you want to be? Police officer, police officer, police officer, police officer. I thought that's what I wanted to be. I thought that's what God wanted me to be, and, and I thought that'd be fun, fun to do. And I was wrestling with that. Was I going to go the way that I wanted to go, or was I going to uh, surrender to the calling of the preach, the pastor that got out of my life? And there was a man that came into my life during that time and, and helped me and instructed me and, 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 and encouraged me and prayed with me and gave me great counsel. And through that counsel, I ended up at a, at a, at a church. And in that church, I, I looked ahead, and there was this, this angel sitting there in the auditorium. I was sitting in the back. She was sitting toward the front. And she turned around, and like Adam, when he saw Eve, I said, whoa, man, who is that? And there sat Michelle, and I said, the first time I ever laid eyes on her, I want to marry her. And she said, the first time she ever laid eyes on me, I'm going to stay as far away from that guy as I possibly can. <laughs> guy's crazy. But I thank God for a Neil Hendricksman that prayed with me and counseled me. I remember times in my life where we'd kneel and he'd say, God, help them to make the right decision. And through those decisions, we were able to meet my wife. And, and through those decisions, now I stand here at this pulpit pastoring this church because someone instructed me, because someone had a godly heritage they left for me and taught me to continue the things that arise. I think of a man by the name of Sally Nizzi who married my wife and I. Think of a man by the name of Bill Dutry who took a risk on us and allowed us to come and trained us and developed us and mentored us. I think of a man named Bobby Robertson who just passed away at 60-some years at the same church. 
His testimony was he got to that church in his 20s and he had a, he had a heart attack because the church was so divided and he spent 21 days in the hospital and he got out of the hospital and he said to his wife, I'm not gonna stay. And she said, God called us to this place. He stayed in that small little church that of heartache and sorrow that many people split in those beginning years became one of the greatest churches in this country where thousands and thousands were saved. 85 buses would leave that church every Sunday morning and pick up little boys and little girls and bring them back to church and give them the gospel and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of young children were saved because a, a man said, I'm going to stick with it. Stayed at the same place for 60-some years pastoring that church until he just recently died. I sat in his office, and I remember, never forget, sitting in his office, and I said, I'm not sure. I, I believe that God is leading me to pastor, but boy, it's a big, big step of faith. We're comfortable here in Cincinnati, and, and everything that we could ever think of, and everything we could ever want, wonderful church, and wonderful church family, and I enjoy doing it, but God is stirring my heart, and I remember we knelt there in his office, and he prayed. Great counsel. I remember a man named, by the name of Doug Fisher. Doug Fisher pastors a church in the San Diego area, and he prayed with me, encouraged me during a time in my life where I was discouraged. He helped me, and I think of this verse as I think of, but continue thou in the things which thou hast heard, learned and, and has been assured of. What he's saying is those that have invested in your life, continue in those things. Don't lose your godly heritage. These men have taught me, and I'm sure each and every one of you could say there's specific men or women in my life that have prayed for me, that have encouraged me. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher. I'll never forget as a six-year-old boy going into a room off the auditorium of the vacation Bible school that we were attending and, and someone kneeling with me and sharing with me how to be saved. And I remember that day, glorious being saved because somebody said, I want to pass what I know on to another generation. I mean, we live in a difficult time. We live in a difficult world. We need, to, we need to continue, as Paul said to Timothy, I want you to be sure that you continue in this godly heritage. Paul is telling Timothy to continue, not to stop. Maybe there's someone here this morning, you're wondering, is it worth it? Maybe you're, you're here this morning and you just say, boy, I, I don't know if I could stick with this anymore. I've gone through some heartache. I've gone through some trials. And maybe you said, I'm just going to give it one last chance today. And maybe you came in today. I want to encourage you to continue in the faith. Continue in that godly heritage. Yes, it may seem like the world is just waxing worse and worse. And in the day here of Timothy, Paul is getting ready to be beheaded for his faith. He doesn't say, Timothy, I've lived my life, and this isn't worth it. I've lived my life. I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've been beaten, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be beheaded here soon. You don't find Paul saying, Timothy, I've come to the end of my life, and I want you to know the life that I've lived, what I've taught you. It isn't worth living. Jesus isn't real. He said the opposite. He said, I want you to know something, Timothy, that life that I've lived, I'd go through it all over again, and I want the same for you. Continue in that heritage I've left for you. I would say, church, let's commit to continue in this heritage. Churches across this country are closing its doors. 
They're saying this as I read things. They're saying this. It's harder and harder to, to, to uh, uh, build a church in America today. People don't want to listen. People don't want to know. I want us to continue. Please, church, let's commit that we are going to continue to stay by the Word of God. We're going to continue to stay by the godly heritage that we've been taught. Yes, it's going to be difficult, but stick with it and don't quit. He said, I want you to continue. I want you to see this secondly. Secondly, not only continue in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of. Paul says in, that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures. Which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. And he says this, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good works. I talked to a pastor in this area not long ago, and that pastor said to me this, I don't believe the Bible, everything in the Bible is true. And I said, what are you doing preaching then? And he just kind of looked at me like I had red hair. <laughs> and I said, who are you to decide then what's right and what's wrong? How do you go through and if you don't believe the Bible's true, how, how do you know what is true then? And what are you doing behind a pulpit telling people what the Bible has to say if you don't believe this Bible is true? We have, we have the Word of God in our hands. We have what God wants for us to hear. And I can assure you of this. The Bible here says this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means every word in this book is given by God's authority, by God's mouth, by God's hand. Every single thing in that book, every single verse is given by God for us. And what he was saying to Timothy here, he said, Timothy, I want you to continue not only in your godly heritage, I want you to continue you, believing that the word of God is true. Believe what it says is true. Continue to allow it to guide you. Continue to allow it to direct you. Continue to allow it to change you. Continue to allow it to inspire you. Continue to allow it to correct you in the areas where you need to be corrected. Let the Bible show you how to live. What he's saying to Timothy is don't ever give up on the word of God. Don't ever quit on the word of God. Let the Word of God be the center of your life. Boy, this last week, it seems, it seems like every week I say to my wife or I say to the Lord, I don't, I don't think anybody in our church could hurt worse than people in our hurt church hurt last week. And it seems like the following week brings more hurt. This past Thursday, boy, I was just kneeling in my bedroom there and just tears. I said, God, you've got to help. There's people in our church that need you. There's people in our church that are hurting. Justin and Sarah Hammaker were in the Toledo Hospital Wednesday and Thursday, and they were pleading with God, help us keep this baby. We got news this week that she'd lost a baby. People are hurting. Lula Parker fell and broke her collarbone. And Sarah Godfrey was in a car accident and 
really messed up her shoulder. And Thursday, there was a funeral of a friend of ours that got cancer. And the doctor said, we can't cure this four to six months. And within probably two months, she was dead. They were having a funeral on Thursday. Her heart was heavy. If you took all of those burdens and you just thought through all of those burdens, you'd say this, life's difficult, life's hard, there's no hope. But I picked up the Bible and I went to the book of Psalms and I found in the book of Psalms where it was encouraging, I found all throughout the Bible there's, 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 there's principles that we can let, uh, build our lives upon in the darkest hours. There's principles that we can, we can believe in. I, I enjoyed, I listened to the message that, that Chris Cox preached last Sunday morning and, and I was encouraged that even through those dark hours and through those trials that God is still working, that God is still alive, that the Bible is still true that we can build our lives on the principles of God's word. And what Paul is saying to Timothy, continue, 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 don't give up. When things get in your life, when times come, perilous times come, and you don't understand, build your life upon the principles of God's word. Be encouraged by the principles of God's word. But not only just be encouraged, he also says this word of God here, this is for the Christian. To know what we believe and why we believe it. The doctrine. He said this book is for reproof. This book is for instruction. This book is for correction. Church, a Christian that gets to the place of apathy in their life. They're in deep, deep trouble. When the Word of God does nothing more in your life, doesn't convict you, it doesn't help you, when we've come to a place of apathy, and sad to say, many Christians today have come to this place of apathy. The Word of God says to do it, and they just say, well, well. They can sit in a service, and the Holy Spirit of God is trying to break through that hard heart to convict you, and we, we listen to it, and we harden our heart even further. Listen, we open the Word of God, whether it's in your prayer closet, whether it's on the side of your bed, whether it's at the desk in your office, whether it's here in a preaching service, the Word of God is supposed to speak to us. It's supposed to encourage us when we need encouragement. It's supposed to correct us when we need correction. It's supposed to reprove us and, and tell us what you're doing is wrong and, 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 and what you're thinking is wrong and get back on track. And it's supposed to set our path. We don't have to go through life saying, I think this is what I believe. We can go through through life saying, I know this is what God says, and therefore, I believe what he says. I don't have to worry about what my emotions think. I don't have to worry about what the crowd thinks. I can get into the Word of God, and I can know what God has to say on that matter. And he says, Timothy, continue in that. Don't put the Word of God down. Somebody says, I'm not sure what we need to do to build a church. I would say this, we need to preach the Word of God. We need to live upon the principles of the Word of God and we need to take the gospel of Jesus Christ into a lost and dying world and share with them how they too can have a relationship with God. I think those are good ingredients in how to build a church. And Paul is saying to Timothy, continue. Charles Spurgeon, one of the great preachers of yesteryear, pastored at any given time, 10,000 people would fill this metropolitan tabernacle and he preached too. 
And he said this, on any given Sunday, he believed only 50% of those that were there were even saved. Billy Graham, I heard just recently, made a similar statement of the church. He said he believed that probably only 50% of the church was even saved. This morning, search your hearts. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you can't continue in something that you haven't started yet. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to start by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you do know Jesus Christ as your Savior, my question to you then is this, are you continuing in Scripture? Are you continuing it? This book is the only living book. Every other book that's written by man, it's just words on paper, but this book is alive because it's God's Word. Do you allow the Word of God to be your foundation for what you believe? For reproof? Allow the Word of God to disapprove of what you're doing? You know, every one of us, we're humans and we live life, and the Word of God, it is there to disapprove of or reproof. Tell us, hey, what you're living is wrong. I think we ought to desire that from God. I'm glad that I can live my life in such a way that one day I can hear from God, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I couldn't imagine having to live life wondering, is God going to be pleased? I don't know what the future is going to hold. I don't know what eternity is going to be. God spells it out so very clear how I can spend eternity with him in heaven and how I can hear one day, thou good, well, uh, well done, thou good and faithful servant. It's there for correction. Allow the Word of God to change you. Listen, my dear friend, when was the last time the Word of God changed your life? There's no way that you can go through life and never be wrong. There's no way that you can go through life and always be right. You, there's no way you can live this Christian life and never need correction. The Word of God, it's there to help you become more like Christ, and it's going to correct us. And when it does, we ought to allow the Word of God to correct us. I want you to look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the first few verses of this chapter. Verse number 1, the Bible says this, Know also... That in the last days, perilous times shall come. How many of you would agree that describes today? How many of you agree we live in perilous times? Church, I want you to know this. And I'm not a doomsday prophet. I'm not trying to tell you that. I'm just a realist and I believe God's word. There's no law that's going to be passed in this country that's going to make this country safe. Because man has a sinful heart. Our politicians are not going to fix the problems in this country. No roundtable discussion is going to figure out the problem and fix it. Our Bible says that in the last days, before Jesus Christ comes and raptures his church, perilous times are going to come. Boy, if you open the newspaper, you turn on the news, you find we live in perilous times. And what he says this to Timothy, as you are living in these perilous times, as you are living in the last days, you need to continue. Jesus is coming again. If you take the book of Daniel, you take the book of Revelation, you take today's newspaper, you know what you'll find? 
Jesus is coming again soon. Boy, all the events of the world are pointing to it. And we're to continue in these last days. Boy, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy. It's easy to look. And, and look with me, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud. What well, describes the president of our country? Blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are, that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Listen, we read through these, we, these verses having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. He's saying in the last days, perilous times are going to come. There's going to be those that are going to be murdered for senseless reasons. There's going to be uh, uh, things that are going to happen around this world that just aren't going to make sense. It's going to seem, it's going to seem that good is bad and bad is good. There's going to be men that are going to rise up and they're going to be lovers of themselves. There's going to be people that are going to live without natural affection or deciding I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to be what I want to be. I'm going to marry who I want to marry. I'm going to love who I want to love. And I don't care what the Bible has to say. We're living in those days. We're living in those times. And Paul says to Timothy, when you come to that place, continue. Don't you give up. Because there's some right now that might say, you know what, this world is so wicked. This world has such a stronghold. This world is just so corrupt. I don't know if it's even worth it. I don't know if it's worth trying to raise a godly family in this generation. I don't know if it's worth trying to have a godly husband, a godly wife in this generation. I don't know if it's worth continuing to go to church when the, the, the world looks like the way it looks. I don't know if it's even worth trying to witness when it seems like nobody wants to hear the gospel. I don't know if it's worth trying to be a light when the world seems like it just wants to persecute the light. It doesn't, I don't know if it's even worth holding our Bible and, 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 and saying I'm a believer of this book when the world looks at this book and says that, that you're crazy, you're mentally ill if you pray to Jesus and he speaks to you. Our kids were out playing in our neighborhood and they came home and our kids like to invite people to church. Our kids give out tracts. They came home and they said, our neighbors... We told them that we had to come in because we had to go to church. And they said, our mom told us God's not real. These are our kids' age. You say, it's not worth it. But I'm trying to raise my kids and the whole world tells us we're wrong. But I'm trying to raise my kids and the world tells them they're crazy. Turn the TV on and it seems like the world is trying to make parents to be dopes and, and doesn't know right from wrong and the kids need to correct the parents and, and, and help the parents make good decisions. That's what society is telling our children today. You go to work and you hear things, you hear God's name in vain. I took my son a few years back to a baseball game and I paid good good seats, good, good price for these seats and I took him to this game and two rows behind us just these, these guys were just drunk and just cussing and cursing and I turned around and I said guys I've got my son here he's hearing words he's never heard before 
One of them looked at me and laughed and spit out even more curse words right in front of my son. Discouraging. But listen to me, it's not time to quit. It's not time to give in. It's not time to say, all right, I can't win them, so I'm going to join them. No, Paul says, Timothy, I'm getting ready to die. Just a little bit, I'm going to be taken out. Put me in a courtyard. They're going to lay my neck on a piece of wood. My head's going to fall from my body. Oh, Timothy, continue. Continue. When you hear word that the Apostle Paul is dead, you pick up the mantle and you continue. When you get word the Apostle Paul is gone, you say, I'm not giving in now. Now's not the time to quit. Now's not the time to fold it up. Now's not the time to say, God, you must not care. If anything, Timothy, now's the time that you continue. Continue in the godly heritage. Continue in the word of God. Continue in perilous times. Don't get discouraged, Christian. Continue to witness. Continue to be a light. Lastly, I'm done with this. Look with me in 2 Timothy chapter 2. The Bible says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Verse number 2, In the things which thou hast heard of me among, thou, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. He says, What you've learned of me, continue, teach it. Don't let it die, don't let it stop with you. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And lastly, I want you to see this, but continue to fight as a soldier of Christ. My son is in the garden. This weekend is his drill weekend. He came home yesterday and, boy, he was, he was down. I said, they yell at you a lot? He said, yeah, they did, Dad. He was tired. I said, what did they yell at you for? He said, Dad, I didn't even do it. I said, oh, come on. He said, no. He said, we got there that yesterday morning, and he said, they said, hey, we got a treat for you. We're going to give you M&Ms for lunch today. Yeah, we're going to get M&Ms. Well, halfway through it, they said, you guys don't deserve M&Ms. We're taking them away. He said, they took away our M&Ms. He says, and then all of a sudden, one of the sergeants there said, you got your hands in your pocket. He said, Dad, I had a notebook in one hand and something else in another hand. It wouldn't fit in my pocket. He said, the sergeant said, you got your hands in your pocket. Everyone drop and give us push-ups, except you, the one with the hand in pockets. And he said, I'm looking like, what? He said, you get M&Ms. He gave him a pack of M&Ms. He said, you, you get M&Ms, everyone else, because you had your hand in pockets. They're going to do push-ups while you eat those M&Ms in front of them. He said, but I didn't have my hands in a pocket. He said, this is what you're going to do. You're going to eat the M&Ms one at a time, and they're peanut M&Ms. And you're going to eat them one at a time, and you can't put another one in your mouth until the other one is all, already gone. Well, how many push-ups do they have to do until you're done eating the bag? I said, did you want to quit? He said, that was the worst bag of M&Ms I ever had, Dad. 
He said, these guys are doing push-ups looking at me while I'm eating them. I'm chewing as fast as I can, Dad. Biting my tongue, I'm chewing so fast. He said, later on, they put a rifle together, and he said, I knew I could, I could put that rifle together in the dark. And the fastest one was going to get out away from having to do push-ups. And he's like, oh, no, here I go again. I'm going to put this thing together, and they're going to watch. And he said, they overheard me saying, the sergeant overheard me saying, I think I'm going to win on this, and if I do this, they're going to hate me. He said, that was a mistake. <laughs> Came home when he was sitting in the kitchen with him. I said, you want to quit? He said, I don't want to quit, Dad. I want to be a soldier. I said, you sure? I'll send mom up there. <laughs> She'll straighten them out. He said, no, I don't want to quit, Dad. They're just trying to make me a good soldier. Don't quit. Be a good soldier for Christ. Because we're in a battle. The enemy hates you. Satan hates you, Brother Kudrow. You know what his goal is? Destroy you. Don't quit. Continue, church. Continue to see folks saved. Continue to be a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continue when you're weary. Continue when it's hard. Continue. Paul was saying to Timothy, Timothy, I wish I could tell you now that you're saved, now that you're a leader, now that you're a pastor, all your problems are going to go away. But he says it's going to get worse. And when it does, continue. Don't quit.